Radio. going on everybody we are back episode 244 of the dark windows podcast my name is kevin i'm kevin as well and uh, we are the kevins yes the kevins oh yes by the time you're hearing this if you listen to it the day it comes out we will have also just done a uh, facebook live thing with uh our network boss so is it facebook live yeah i believe so oh yeah well i will have known that by the time that yeah. you know so I've got to get my webcam out and squared away tonight when we're all done, which should take like I don't know, mm-hmm. fucking twelve seconds. So cool. Yeah. What so, do you? Uh, so it's your turn. It's my turn this week. And you fucked my rhythm up. You fucked my rhythm up. Because we did a woman last week, and I was like, "Hey, man, my next one's also going to be a woman." And you're like, "Hey, so I'm going to also do a woman in the middle." Well, good, listen, son of a bitch. Now I got to so, find something different. So for this week's episode, we're covering. Uh, we're going to be covering women. Okay. To be more precise, we're going to be actually talking about uh, women of the Vietnam War. Sorry, mean police. I mean police action. Whatever. Okay. No, it was a, it was a war. Uh, so when I told Kevin, are you going to bring up that dickhead Jane Fonda? So when I told Kevin, <laughs> I take that as a yes. So when I told Kevin that I was going to cover this topic, uh, his reply on Facebook Messenger was, "Quote." I think you fell asleep watching Full Metal Jacket again. To which I replied, No, I fell asleep to sumo wrestling. Before any of you say anything about me watching sumo, who gives a shit? Let's move on with the show. What? No, you can watch sumo. It's <laughs> fucking excellent. Someone's going to say something. I would I would be much more disappointed if I found out you fell asleep watching, like, cricket or something. I can't follow cricket. It's so dumb. I can't follow I know it. we have European listeners that'll be like, it makes perfect sense. No, it doesn't. I No, I tried. So you guys tried it, okay? And then we fixed it and made it entirely better See, and called only it baseball. Reason, okay, first off, the only reason why I fell asleep I fall asleep watching sumo... Because you just finished, you know... No, it's because I, um, I watched, you know, so much of it that, like, I fall asleep during, like... I'm trying to stay up for, like, the, the big, big matches because they, uh... They run, oh my god, sumo yeah, is fucking they, so they do long. do a fucking ton of them. They do 15 days, okay, and they go, each day they start off like, ah, oh jeez, I think it's like 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. they start off. Yeah, they and go they don't, all fucking day. They go all goddamn day. So the lower ranks are like 150 fucking guys, and they, they rattle those motherfuckers out. They're like, you lost, get the fuck out, let's yep. go. Next one up, like. But as the ranks go up, I want a sumo battle royale. You're like you thirty of them in the in the circle. Yeah, well, um, it's kind of cool, really cool traditions that they have though. But anyway, I could get on with. I won't go on anymore. You should. That. Have you ever seen the diet those fucking guys take in? Some of them. Jesus Christ, they eat so much. They like. There was one one guy. No, not all of them, dude. There was one guy I watched at the at the time he was uh he was very very high ranked. I don't know if he was if he was Yokozuna or not, but he was very high ranked. 
And they're like, what I, what'd you say when I said, Yo, well, you should see the Yokozuna? He's like, I, I sent you a, a fucking gif of Yokozuna <laughs> trying to close the, the casket on the Undertaker and almost no, falling in it. And then what was my <laughs> comment back on that? Not that one. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he's Samoan dickhead, but yeah, still. But then I said, that Samoan, that Samoan guy is going to, or Samoan whatever, he's going to fall on his goddamn head. <laughs> he was 600 pounds when he died. He was a yeah. big fucking guy. Yeah, he was. Um, but no, the, the guy that I was watching the interview with, um, they're like, so what's your what's your daily intake for food? He'll eat like five pounds of rice, uh, twelve to fifteen bowls of soup, and almost a gallon of beer. And he's like, that's just when I'm training. When I'm not training, I eat more than that. It's like, god damn. But the thing and is, you're, but they're <clears throat> professional athletes. They might not yeah. look it, but those guys are. They got fucking gas. They the, can go. Yeah, the um, <clears throat> this the Yokozuna right now, that guy, like, he he won all but one of his matches. Um, this past, uh, uh, well, I don't know what they call it, Bashio or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And, um, cause the guy got lucky, I guess. I, I didn't really get to see the match. I wanted to see the match, but I guess guy got lucky. And, um, the Yokozuna's diaper way up his ass and just the Yokozuna now, like I saw him go against these guys. I mean, fucking guy. Whoa. Jacked. I mean, he he's he's got like a stomach. Oh well, yeah, they all do. But it's it's like it's like world's strongest man's stomach. Okay, where it's not a gut, it's it's a fucking well, it's all muscle. No, not but all it, of them. there's a lot of a lot of core strength okay. is what I'm so, getting at. Before okay, before we go in further with this, I watched Yoku's. I watched uh, sumo from the 1980s mm-hmm. versus sumo now. Sumo in the 80s, the guys were a lot smaller. Right. Like what I mean by smaller, not height or uh, you know, I mean they weren't as thick as they are. I mean they were like skinnier. Yeah, fucking like one of the guys. I mean, he was I don't know. If he went maybe five five, that may have been you know. But now you also. But this guy was like jacked. Yeah, but you, nowadays you also bring in like modern nutrition and supplements and stuff like that to you know help them stay big. Surprisingly, a pro wrestler that actually did sumo professionally was John Tenta. Earthquake. Oh, yeah? Yep. Huh. Yep. He was apparently really fucking good, too. And I didn't know this. Because uh, we're going way off the tangent, yeah, but whatever. We, fuck it. You know, because we went from Asian people to sumo. Whatever. The, <clears throat> I didn't know this, that in sumo... Each stable, as they refer to it, can only have one foreigner in it. Yep. So if you – like, there's this one guy that's from – You get one uh, gaijin, that's it, which is Japanese for white guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's this one guy uh, that, as far as I know, it's the only one I've seen. Um, He's from – he's actually, like, the top rank of – top like, top three ranks of sumo. And – um. <clears throat> he's uh, uh he's actually from uh I think it's like Georgia or something like Georgia the country. Yeah. Um and um beard with no mustache Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> and but he but like he had to change his name when he had to move to Japan and then he had to change had his name changed he, to have a for sumo he had to have a, a Japanese name. I mean, he his real name is whatever it is, not but, Japanese. Yeah, not Japanese, but he goes by that in the ring. So it's kind of like a, 
uh, uh, wrestler. It's his in, ring name. Yeah. 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 You know, in WWE or AEW or whatever. Yeah, let's not talk about AEW. It's or Ring of Honor or New Japan good. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so any of those, they uh, you know, they go by that. But Dude, like, it, but like this new guy, this one yo. Okay, let me finish it up, uh, wrap up the way I would say. So the Yokozuna that's now, that guy, like you look at him, you're like, man. Okay, I can see some muscle, but you're like, yeah, but dang, man, you're. I mean, you're kind of. I mean, you got a little, little bit of tub on you, you know. But the guy fucking lights it up in the ring, and you well, can yeah. just when he like like when he gets somebody pushed up against the. The, the outer the, the inner the ring okay because there's like a like a ring where they they are and then there's like an outer ring okay that's between you there's this gap between the two so if you go you know over the inner ring into that middle section match is done yeah or if you go out of the ring out of the off off the podium itself and um but like stick this guy, with us we're almost done this guy was fucking like I mean he was just Working this guy, and he was pushing on him, and you could just see, like, the freaking muscles. I was like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, and then when they start hitting each other, like, they're fucking hitting hard. Yeah. Uh, if mean, you also, also, if you want just fun sumo, just go watch uh, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. True. Well, that's that's always good. They've got, you know, different color balls that people pull out of a box, and they have to go do sumo against whomever. Yeah. Um, my favorite yeah. one is uh, there's a guy, he looks like he weighs about 120 pounds. Like these big, thick ass Coke bottle glasses, and people just fucking chuck him around. It's amazing. It's great. It's anyway, anyway, uh, so back to the other to, Asian Let's go back to about. let's go back to the Vietnam uh, action, more police action, uh, whatever the fuck you want to call mistake. it. Mistake, mistake. <laughs> so, uh, question is: So, where would we start? Extended war do, crime. Do we want to talk about the most well-known woman of the Vietnam conflict, or do we want to jump to some others? If it's Jane Fonda, no, because she's an asshole. So you want the lesser known ones, you say? Yeah. All right, then we'll just start with them first. Fucking stand that woman. (laughs) Um, we're not talking about. We'll talk about her like like a moment. But anyway, before uh, we get into them, I I think it's necessary that we do a little background on how women in Vietnam and how uh how they were in Vietnam and how they're supposed to act. Vietnamese women during the war took part in a lot of uh, biological warfare. Nope, not all of them. No, anyway. just some. Nope, not all of them. Okay, I'm just going to say that. Five dollars each. Okay. So, each you, five dollars. Um, so I did find a, a little something that explains uh, it far better than I can. So I'm just going to actually, I'm actually going to read that verbatim of what I found. So everybody bear with me. This is not my writing. This is someone else's. And because I was like, hey, easier for me to just to read it than someone else, than me trying to, you know, decipher all this. So traditionally, Vietnamese women were supposed to follow uh, Confucius teachings. They were expected to observe chastity, to practice three sub, uh, submissions, uh, and obey three masters. So, I mean, those could be the uh, Texas Cloverleaf, nope. the sharpshooter, and <laughs> potentially an armbar. No. Uh, so... Their three masters, the, namely their father, their husband, and their eldest son. Uh, these obligations were followed by a long list of feminine to dos and don'ts. To don'ts. No, not to don'ts. To do, <sighs> don'ts. Uh, in work, uh, they were expected to master cookery, sewing, and embroidery, 
but not normally engage in reading and writing. In their physical appearance, they were expected to dress in such a way that made them attractive to their husbands, but not enticing to others. Uh, with the start of the, uh, the conflict with the French, the Viet Cong felt that they needed to reach out to women to get them to help in any way that they could, which was a problem because of how women were supposed to be in society. You're fighting the French. You don't need help. Well, uh, they have never actually been in a conflict before. Unless you're going to let the women fight, and you guys are just going to sit back and watch them kick their shit in. Once again, they've never. these guys have never been in a conflict, no. so they need to ha- have all hands on deck. Um, they were successful in recruiting women to join the party. They appealed directly to women to participate in the struggle to uh, liberate their country, promising them to return equal uh, po- uh, political, social, and economic rights and status under the, a new regime. And when you say the party, you mean the Communist Party? Um, I don't think it was supposed to be Communist Party at, point, at that time, but, I th- but maybe. Because right now, at this point, they're under a split regime of Japanese and French. Ah. Okay. Um, Vietnamese women seeking uh, equality found revolutionaries to be the only group uh, in their society willing to commit themselves to achieving it. It is not surprising that so many responded by joining the movement. Ho Chi Minh himself encouraged Vietnamese women to extend their roles during wartime. He encouraged and praised women in the South who fought against the uh, U.S. supported regime and the U.S., He's going to change his mind on that here shortly. Meanwhile, he urged uh, women in the North to take part in uh, fighting against the U.S. in order to save the country and build socialism. Now, when the war was intensified after direct American involvement in the 1960s, uh, Hanoi adopted the Three Reeds policy, which is uh, what they refer to as uh, Ba San Sang. And ask their entire population to be ready to fight, to join the, uh, the army and go to anywhere required by the fatherland. Uh, women actively took part in the, this policy, and they, uh, oh, and the three undertakings movement. Okay, and according to official figures, at by the end of 1965, over 1.7 million women had signed up for the. Quote, three undertakings women. Um, they took upon, uh, up a, I'm sorry, let me start that again. They took up a wide range of tasks from domestic roles to working in production, in, in farming, and in factories. And one of them had to carry the urn. Maybe. You know, go yeah. on the lightning. Maybe. There's only ever two undertakers, though, because there was a fake one at one point in time. True. And there was a fake cane, but mm. neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, so in order to allow men to go to fight uh, the front line, they also took part in fighting as armed guerrillas or in self-defense militia. Ho Chi Minh personally sent combinations to mothers who lost their sons in war or made awards to women who fought the enemies. So that's kind of like a little bit of a, the background on it. Okay. So we're actually going to get into the first woman. So the first woman that uh, we're going to actually discuss is... Win uh, Nai Din, but she, I, I was actually going to discuss her first, but after actually um, looking into her, 
there was just way too much on her. And I feel that it's best that if we actually uh, we're actually to do an episode, we should actually do it on her okay. herself. She she actually deserves to own her own episode since she did so much to try and move her country forward from a city shitty situation after the French and Japanese were booted out to when the U.S. came in and tried to quote unquote help, listen, so to speak. Listen, we're there to spread democracy and stop the crawl of communism. Yeah, sure. It didn't work so hot. So and then we also bombed the shit out of Laos because it was there too. It was asking for it. Oh yeah, you know. We weren't there. We no, about? we well, I mean, we not, weren't there not technically, but we bombed the dog balls out of Laos, though. Oh. Um, so, there's there's still somewhere in the neighborhood of like sixty thousand unexploded cluster bombs in that country that were dropped during Vietnam. So, mm. it's kind of a problem. So I'm gonna say this about her: she was a badass in her own right. With that, uh, I'm gonna actually talk about our first real woman. Okay, that we're gonna talk about. This woman was on the front lines. Like many others, her name is Nguyen, uh, yeah, Nguyen Tai Kim. Uh, he, I'm sorry, there's a last part of that. It's Hugh. Sorry. Okay. So Nguyen Tai Him Hugh. Okay. <laughs> I was I, like, I was like, wait a minute. I'll That's... take that, but I don't want it spicy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was one of uh 180. I'm uh, sorry, 138,000 youth volunteers. She enlisted, uh, she, she actually enlisted where most actually got drafted. Um, oh, God. Okay. The last time we had a woman that we, that phrase was used on this show, it was Irma Grease. So I hope this doesn't take the same no. fucking turn. No, no, no. <laughs> um, it was like, oh, Jesus, Vietnamese Irma Grease. That's no, that rhymed and I didn't like any part of it. Yeah. So, uh, so and most of that were drafted or enlisted were the between the ages of 17 and 24. All female and mixed sex. Units were stationed at the Ho Chi Minh Trail to defend it. Yep. And the military supply route against the U.S., so that was like the, the main thoroughfare. Um, an expert marksman, uh, Nguyen Tai Kim Hugh, was stationed with her platoon on the... I, I Wow. Mu Gai Pass. Okay. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that correctly. This is the bitch that killed Eight Ball and Cowboy. Yes. <laughs> uh, the most dangerous stretch of the tra- uh, the trail network. A month after she enlisted in 1965, the U.S. unleashed Operation Rolling Thunder. Yeah. See, we used to have such cool fucking names for stuff. Yeah. Then and we let the ATF name shit, and it's she, awful. She was a part of this. Okay. Uh, yeah. So and she survived. Uh, a sustain- was she a good guy or a bad guy? She though? was a bad guy. Okay, let's making sure, <laughs> making making it very clear. I mean, depends on what side of it you think of. From our perspective, bad guy. Okay. Okay. I was gonna say not from Jane Fonda's perspective. Wow. Well, because then she's probably some fucking feminist war hero. So it, uh, so the she was uh, you in 1965 on un- they unleashed uh. Operation Rolling Thunder, a sustained bombing campaign against North Vietnam, intended to in uh, to interde- interdict. Tran- uh, let me start that again. Wow. A month after she enlisted in 1965, the U.S. unleashed Operation Rolling Thunder, a sustained bombing campaign against North Vietnam, intended to 
basically stop the trade routes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <clears throat> or slow them down. Um, and spread and, and actually the spread of communism. They didn't want it to spread any further. Well, no, because it's it's cancer during, and you have to so get rid of it. So during an interview, she was uh, giving. Uh, she, when that she was giving, she was asked uh, if she remembered the bombing, and this is part of the interview that she gave. We had to rebuild the road every day because there was so many bombs. The worst B-52 attacks were in 1966. In my platoon, out of 16, 10 were killed, she said. That's too bad. You're still six got away. And she got, a- <laughs> and she got asked, were you wounded? And she said, and her response was, uh, after she, she parted her hair to show them a deep uh, scar from shrapnel left on her skull. And she's asked, were you afraid? She, she said, took a fucking head full of shrapnel. I would assume she, she probably said, was. No. Fear of what? She said, you live once and you die once. She and her platoon would carry out dangerous work in the most dangerous places, and they had very little to work with. Uh, she described how she looked for uh, after her team, trying to make an inhumane situation bearable. The war was hard for women, she said. After the bombings, she searched for teammates during the the explosions to give them a decent burial. She had this to say about it. Many died because rocks fell on them. We used shovels because I was afraid a digger would cut my teammates' bodies into pieces. After a few days, we uh, sniffed the soil. There was no smell, so we knew there was no more body parts to find. I didn't want to let them die naked. Which is kind of, you know, it's honorable. You know, they didn't want to... She wanted to... She had such a camaraderie with these women that she didn't want to actually um, leave them behind. Right. And, you know, let nature, you know, take them. She wanted to at least give them some kind of burials, you know, which is which is honorable. Yeah, that, that is. I'll give her yeah. that. Uh, could have saved her the trouble if we had been a little bit more accurate. True. I mean, and, well, we, were, we were accurate. We actually fucking... You know, kill them. I mean, ten, uh, 10 out of 16 is pretty good, but... Well, whatever. You know, I mean... Want a better day at the plate than that. <laughs> That's not bad. It's not. It's passable, but... Yeah, I mean, quite passable. Uh, our next woman is... But what I'm saying is we also just left six people to make fucking landmines out of spam cans. So, could have saved some trouble. <laughs> well, she worked on the Ho Chi Minh Trail, so she wasn't actually, like... They wouldn't want to put stuff on the trail. Well, yeah, they, they booby-trapped the trail once we... Started using it to hunt them. Well, yeah. Uh, our next woman is one of many that were part of a unit called uh, the Brigade Five Five Nine, which was established as a transportation and logistic u- logistical unit of the People's Army of Vietnam. The uh, Pavin, P A V N. Yep. yep. Uh, their tasks involved moving troops, uh, weapons, and material from north to paramilitary units of the National Liberation Front, the NLF, and the People's Liberation Armed Forces, the PLAF, based in South Vietnam. The Ho Chi Minh Trail was created and maintained by Group 559. Okay. Okay. Um, 
So that's like a couple of our next women are were part of this. Okay. Okay. So what are they? Are they doing like trail maintenance or some shit? Or yeah. Um. So so one of these women that was part of this five five nine was uh, Nguyen Tai Van. Now I'm sorry to say that when I tried to actually look up information on her, it wasn't all that much at all. No. So not. I'll just tell you what I found. And what I found was that this woman was, she was like uh, uh, Tai Den. She joined the movement in 1971 and worked on the trail, uh, Fuck, making that's sure, late. yeah, late in the war, making sure that the supply lines were running smoothly. Her duties were to maintain the communication line and undertake telephone repairs. I was able to find a quote that she gave about her time on the trail, and this is this is part of her quote. We were not afraid as we were so we were too busy, she said. We were not afraid of anything, even death. On duty alone at midnight in the jungle, we were not afraid. So they were like they knew they knew their they place. Knew the area, yeah. yeah. So they were like, you know, we're not afraid of anything. And I guess they were at peace with the fact that if they died, they died. Right. Because what their thought was we're doing this to free our country. Because, I mean, honestly, they had been—I mean, they had been oppressed and pushed around by so many people, and you know, you you boot out Japan and and France, mm-hmm. okay, and then you get then they get replaced by someone else. They get replaced by the U.S. Oh. who's trying to come in and go. Well, we don't like how this is going, but. And, we weren't trying to colonize it like everybody else was, which is why the French were there. Because it was, it wasn't even fucking Vietnam. It okay, was first French off, Indochina. First off, we got fucking, uh, we, we lied to get there. Okay, well, obviously, yeah. We every, so we've, we've talked about the Gulf of Tonkin enough let's, times let's to know not, that. Uh, let's not sugarcoat know. it. Where we weren't trying to do whatever because no. But what I'm saying is, we we were not colonizing like everybody else was. Well, I don't know. Maybe we were going to. Nah. Who knows? Or maybe we were going to try to put our own people in, quote unquote, to, you know, be able to get our shit there. Because why not have a place where we conquer it and we can put a base there so that, hmm, you know, we can uh, be closer to. My only question is, why would we have to worry about that when we already had shit in Korea? Which isn't that far mm, away. Uh, hey, I don't know, man. We also had shit in Japan <laughs> in the in the seventies, you know. I know. But hey. We um, we fucking dunked on Japan pretty hard though, so we got to do whatever we wanted afterwards. I mean, but you know I mean that's a little further south, so I mean Vietnam's further south. Yeah. So I mean, if you could have a jumping off point further south hmm. you know. So I was able to find another a woman that actually served up to in the five five nine, and her name is Ha Tai Mac. You sure you didn't miss a fucking win in there somewhere? Because nope. they all, <laughs> nope, they've all had it except this one apparently. Nope, Ha Tai Mac. And unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, a quote that I was able to find on her, yeah, I was actually I was only able to find a quote, right? Okay, on her, and so this is what her quote was: We grew up, we we grew cassava to eat. The, the leaf as we 
had a lack of green vegetables and vitamins and sometimes felt very weak. Many died of malaria from not from going out to collect the rice and I think we were exposed to Agent Orange as we lived oh, yeah, probably. in in the contaminated areas. Yeah, Agent Orange was fucking terrible. Yeah. So now one last woman woman that uh, I did find um that was a part of five five nine. And her name is No Tai Laun. Um <laughs> That all that almost sounds like uh it looks like, like okay. I'm I'm I'm, 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 I'm gonna stop you. It looks like loan, but oh. I think it's loun. Okay, no, because it it almost sounds like a, like a prejudice sign on the outside of a, a like a Chinese business. Oh, no yeah. tie allowed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was a primary. Chinese have a problem with the ties, though. I don't know. Well, she's not Chinese. She's Vietnamese. I, I know that's. Never mind. <laughs> okay i was uh, trying to make the joke work and it didn't because it sucked in the first place and you just took i think the it wind went, out of it i think it went right over my head i said it sounds like a prejudice sign in the outside of a chinese business no ties allowed oh but now that i've had to explain it it's not funny anymore oh well it's funny okay. that's how jokes work it was funny I, what, okay it was funny it wasn't though shut up nobody else laughed anyway so uh no title alone was a, a primary school teacher when she volunteered in 1971 to serve in the uh, Vietnamese, Vietnam People's Army, eventually joining Brigade 559 as a nurse. Uh, now, this is what she has to say about the uh, she had to say about the war. Everyone is expected to join the army to fight the U.S. Sometime, uh, too many soldiers were injured, and that affects my mind. So that's what she had to say. Now we're gonna take a break, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna finish this up. Okay. Okay. All right, we're back. Okay. You got more commie mamas yeah. here? Okay. One more good one. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about a real well-known woman of the war that was Hanoi Jane. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're not gonna talk about Jane Fonda. Thank Christ. I'm sorry, folks. Who I was really thinking of was another person. Oh, wow. Go for it. Wow. I even wrote in here. I said, Kevin will correct me. I almost guarantee it. I I, I put that in there. I'm like, you're going to say it. Oh, go ahead. You do you know it. what I'm talking about? Go for it. Do you know what I'm talking Go about? Go for it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just fucking tell us. <laughs> do you know? Yes. Who? I don't know. Just tell me. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Jesus. Drag no. that out. Come on, damn it. Just fucking tell us. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you're gonna, you're I'm gonna... just glad that we don't have to talk about fucking Jane Fonda. No. Because she's a miserable bitch. We're going to talk. I made that clear pretty We're going to talk about sorry. Hanoi Hannah. Yeah. The one with the loudspeaker. Yes. Yeah. Well, she wasn't loudspeaker. Well, she came through on the, the radio. PA system, whatever. The radio. Yeah. Okay. So now if you don't know who this is already, well, I'm here to help you with that. She was the voice that would say things like, how are you, G.I. Joe? It seems like, it uh, seems to me that uh, most of you are poorly informed about the going of the war. To say nothing about a correct explanation of your presence over here. Nothing is more confusing than to be ordered into a war to die or to be ma- uh, maimed for life without 
the faintest idea of what's going on. Or, I'm going to preface this everybody, these are just her famous quotes, okay? Defect GI, it is a very good idea to, to leave a sinking ship. You know you cannot win this war. Isn't it clear that the war makers are gambling with your lives while pocketing huge profits? She's not wrong. Not, not wrong at all. GI, your government has abandoned you. They have ordered you to die. Don't trust them. They lied to you. GIs, you know you cannot win this war. American GIs, don't fight this unjust, immoral, and illegal war of Johnson's. Get out of Vietnam now and alive. This is the voice of Vietnam broadcasting from Hanoi, uh, capital of the Demo uh, Democratic Republic of Vietnam. Our program of American GIs can be heard at 1630 hours. Now here's Connie Francis singing, I almost lost my mind. Jesus Christ. Now for, uh, now for our talk, a Vietnam, Vietnam black GI who refuses to be victim of racism is Billy Smith. It seems on the morning of March 15th, a fragmentation grenade went off in an officer's barracks in Bin Ho, uh, killing two gung-ho lieutenants. Smith was illegally searched, arrested, and put in Long, uh, Long Bin Jail and brought home for trial. The evidence that showed him guilty was this, being black, poor, and against the war, and refusing to be a victim of racism. And that last one um, was actually true uh, because, you know, yeah, he, he was just profiled against. Right. Because he was black. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of, lot of everybody was against this fucking war. Yeah. A lot of the soldiers. Yeah, but a lot of these guys were also told, like, you know, they fucked up, did something stupid. They're like, well, you can either go to Vietnam for a year yeah. or you can go to jail for 10. Yeah. So, I would take the prison sentence personally. Hanoi Hannah, her real name was not Hannah. Uh, really? It was actually <laughs> uh, Trin Tai No. Okay. Now, I didn't actually, I thought that she, um, I, I, I didn't think she was actually a real person at all. I thought there was just some fictionalized thing made up, but... Turns out she was actually real. Yeah. Uh, she worked for a radio station called Voice of Vietnam, which started in 1940. Oh, who? Hold on. Hold on. Bit of hiccups. Can I punch <coughs> you in the chest? Uh, no. Oh. <coughs> you have AIDS. I was trying to scare you. I didn't know if it worked or not. Fuck. You can hold your breath for longer. You're still oh. still awake. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it. Okay. She worked for a radio station called Voice of Vietnam, which started in 1945, and 10 years later, in 1955, she would uh, come on board. She would be the station's English-speaking broadcaster. She was born in Hanoi in 1931. Her father owned the largest glass factory in Vietnam. She took a liking to American films. Her favorite was Gone with the Wind, which she watched five times. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> she wa uh, wanted to enjoy films without the French or Vietnamese subtitles, so her family gave her private English lessons. With her silky smooth voice, 
she would attempt to tell GIs that they were uh, should go home and that their government was lying to them, like in the propaganda stuff that or stuff that I actually just read to you. Um, in her daily broadcast, she would list the names of American troops killed in combat, read newspaper articles. That's kind of shitty. Well, yeah, you you'll you'll know why in just a second. It's a fucking psyop. That's why. Uh, read U.S. newspaper articles about anti-war protests and play Joan Baez and Bob Dylan songs. She rarely spoke of uh, Vietnamese losses or American successes in her broadcast. Of course, because and this is and this is why all this other stuff was in there was because, um. Everything that she did was controlled by the communist authorities. Mm-hmm. Hannah's scripts were written by North Vietnam uh, Army propaganda experts and advised by Cubans. Her programs were soon extended to 30 minutes and broadcast three times a day. Now, I didn't didn't really know anything about Hannah before this, except for her voice is used in some Vietnam movies. And while doing this research, I came across something that I was like, wow, too. I really was. Hanoi Hannah uh, broke one of the most shocking stories of the Vietnam War. That Hitler died? No. Oh, shit, wrong one. And you'll know this one. The massacre of several hundred civilians mm-hmm. in the village of My Lai, My Lai. My Lai yeah. in 1968. Yeah. Just weeks after the massacre, Hannah accurately named the location and estimated the civilian death toll. She misidentified the American uh, Army Division involved, enabling the Americans to deny the report and treat it like another example of disinformation from North Vietnam. Unfortunately, it was not disinformation. Yeah. And the thing that pisses me off the most about that is the piece of shit that ordered and executed it was pardoned by Richard Nixon because they were buddies. Yep. Um, And the guy who... Uh, I believe he was a colonel Yes. that basically caught him in the field and was like, listen, you keep this up, I'm going to beat your dick in. Uh, he was court-martialed for it. So even though he did the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and the asshole got away with it. Um, then he, he went on and he wrote a bunch of songs and shit, too, about, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a fucking scumbag. Mm. Um, let them fight, did a... Did a pretty good episode on him. If you want to live here uh, about American war crimes and somebody not getting justice, I believe his last name was Collie, Callie, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's cocksucker. I'm glad he's dead now. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, for bored GIs, Hannah's broadcasts were often rare sources of amusement. Uh, a man's radio was, after his rifle, his most valued possession. Like the rifle, but uh, the radio was often wrapped in... Fr- in uh, frayed black tape for protection. Yep. Troops were would laugh after Hannah's attempts to scare them into defection or suggestions to frag an officer. However, they did wonder if she was a lovely, was lovely as she sh- she sounded. I mean, pictures of her when she was young, she was kind of hot. She was kind of cute, yeah. <laughs> and many considered her the most uh, prominent enemy after Ho Chi Minh. And she was hot for a communist. Let's put it that way. She was just good looking. I, mean, yeah, like, I don't care. Not bad. She was good looking. Not bad. Uh, Hannah regularly addressed her comments to black American GIs. In one, one broadcast, she actually um, 
talked about uh, the the victim of racism, Billy Smith, that I just actually mentioned. Um, and when the violence broke out in Detroit in and July twenty third of nineteen sixty seven, Hannah jumped on the news. American military stations were quiet, but uh, she broadcast every detail she had available. Mike Roberts, a soldier from Detroit, based in Da Nang, remembers this that week well. He said this had this to say about it. Hannah comes on, and she knows what guard unit was called in and what kind of weapons were used, she, he said. That's when it starts to hit home. We knew that we knew what kind of firepower and devastation what that that I'm sorry. We start that again. We knew what kind of firepower and devastation that kind of weapon can do to people. And now those same weapons were turning on us. You know, our military is killing our own people. Uh, we met as well. We might as well have been Viet Cong, but Hannah picked up on it and talked about it. Even Senator John McCain was, while a prisoner of war, he was in the Hanoi Hilton. Yep, not the, uh, not the Hanoi remember, Hannah. <laughs> he actually remembers hearing uh, Hannah's voice on the radio. And this is what actually he had to say about it. He said, quote, I heard Hannah every day. She was a marvelous entertainer. I'm surprised she didn't go to Hollywood. So after the war, she was interviewed and she was asked some questions. So I figure, what the heck, not? why not share these questions and her responses with you guys? Because I was kind of intrigued by them when I saw them. First question was, did you ever feel anger towards American the American troop? Uh, and this is what her response was. When the bombs came to Hanoi, I did feel angry, she said. To the Vietnamese, Hanoi is a scary ground. But even then, when I spoke to the GIs, I tried always to be calm. I never felt aggression toward Americans as a people. I never called them the enemy. Or adversaries, which is true. Uh, would you say uh, now, what would you say now to the American GI if you had one final broadcast? And she said this. Let's let bygones be bygones, she replied. Let's move on and be friends. There were many more, there will be many benefits if we can't be, uh, we can be friends together. There is no reason to be enemies. Right. No. So, unfortunately, this lovely voice, uh, Trin Taigo uh, died on September 30th, 2016, at the age of 85. I mean, not really, unfortunately. That's a pretty good fucking run. No, no. 85 I mean, ain't bad. That's nothing to sneeze at. No. Uh, she was interred in Long Tri. Uh, Chao Tan District, Long An Province, following the Vietnamese custom of burial, next to her husband and his family. Her only son uh, actually escaped Vietnam in 1973, and now actually lives in San Francisco. Oh, oh, the tides have turned, I see. Yeah. Well, I mean, not really. It's still a communist country, but whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Anywhere so, yeah. you can legally shit in the street and not get in trouble for it, that's kind of gross. Yeah. 
one person shits on Nancy Pelosi's doorstep and she loses her fucking mind. Shit anywhere else and it's all right. Well, people tend to forget that people were shitting here in the streets a long time ago and it was okay. No, I'm talking like now. People oh, are just whatever. Oh no, it's it's you can just do it and it's it's fucking gross. I know that. Yeah. Okay, it happens. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You have to intentionally shit in the street. So, I mean, but who are we to say? Who, who are we to say to someone's uh, someone else's culture? I'm not talking about other people's cultures. I'm talking about the city of San Francisco, where I could walk oh. down the sidewalk, drop my I pants, you were and talking just about Vietnam. No, dude. No, oh. San Francisco. Oh, fucking Nancy Pelosi. As much as she oh. would like to, is not that much of a communist. She I lives in San Francisco, she... not Vietnam. I thought you were talking about San Francisco. No, no, oh. no, no. I'm like no, like you can just you can shit on the sidewalk there and it's totally fine. San Francisco, yeah, it's kind of where I was going. Yeah, you know. Well, I well, so I was trying to find what I was going with all this was I was actually trying to find some badass women to talk about. So I wanted to actually cover some badasses for that were fought and did something that were women, and (laughs) it kind of got me to this. You know, people, women who fought in uh, Vietnam or participated in the Vietnam War, or conflict or police action or whatever they want. We can just call, call it a war. It's easier that sure. way. Um, and I kind of like, I was like, oh, well, hmm. There's more, there's like so little about it that I was like, damn, was there any women that actually fought? You know, in the like, I wanted to find some a woman that fought like in the guerrilla movement against the the North Vietnamese, mm-hmm. but like I don't know, I tried and tried and tried, and I I couldn't find anybody. I was like, what the fuck, you know? So, but that's where so that's how we got to talking about Hanoi, Hannah, and all the other women. I mean, they fought for what they wanted, what they thought and thought was right. And even though we might think it's wrong, you know, what the hell? Um, but that's, you know. So, you know, that's one of the only situations you can say that and people don't get mad at it. Because you can't say that about the Civil War without people going, well, that's, you know, it's kind of shitty to say. But, you know, it, it, I'm not wrong, though. You can't. But then at the same time, people have to stop and think of who fought the Civil War in the South. Right. Wasn't people have to stop and go actually think about that and not jump to the first reaction of they're all slave owners. No, No, actually, they were not. No, no. Most of them were too fucking poor to afford it. All of them were pretty much damn near close to indentured servants. Yeah. They would work called sharecropping. Yeah. (laughs) And white people did it, too. And I mean, so. Yeah, kind of have to like take a step back and go. Wait a minute, you know they were actually fighting for their land yeah. because they didn't feel that it was right that that somebody from the north was telling them, "Hey, motherfuckers, you can't do this or mm-hmm. you can't do that." And they're like, "Wait a minute, we're we're citizens of this country too." Yeah, you know, and I mean. So I speak, could... Speaking of super ironic stuff like that, um, I did see a, a study <laughs> that they've done 
where uh, <clears throat> allegedly our most racist president that we've ever had. Um, turns out, uh, oh, okay. Um, so there's been a study of all the, the, the lineages of all of the living presidents. And it turns out the one that was supposedly super racist and shit is the only one that uh, doesn't have a history of slave ownership in his family. It's because his ancestors came here after slavery was abolished. Um, so, yeah, that's Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. The rest of them they can trace, including Barack Obama's white side of the family. They can trace that back to having owned slaved as, slaves as well. One's from Kansas? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yep. Because the, the Bidens, the Bushes, all of them. Yeah. Jimmy Carter. Fucking all of them. All of them. Except for the one that was a real racist, I guess. Weird how that works. Uh-huh. I mean. But I mean, at least he never said you ain't black if you don't vote for me. So. It's true. <laughs> He also never got his son out of, like, multiple felonies that anybody else would have been put under the fucking prison for, you know? Yeah. Including, you know, uh, international fucking corporate espionage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, being a, a felon in possession of a firearm. Smoking crack while you have a firearm, which is also fucking illegal. Um, and banging hookers, which, pretty sure that's illegal in Delaware, too, but... What do I know? I'm just a voter. So, anyway. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> go on over to studio.com and uh, grab yourself a set of headphones or a speaker. Um, I'm sorry, not headphones, earbuds or a speaker because they don't have the headphones anymore. Uh, they kind of phase those out, unfortunately, because I fucking love my Clars. Well, they have regions. Yeah, the the regent the regents are nice, <clears throat> but for me they're a little small on my ears. Yeah. Um, I like the clars where they go all the way over. But um, yeah, find anything you like there, throw it in your cart, put in Dark Windows fifteen at checkout, and get fifteen percent off your entire order. Um, you can also go over to any of our social medias, including patreon.com forward slash Dark Windows Podcast, where for the 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 low low price. We've we've even decided it's going to be value pricing five dollars a month. Ooh, gets you access to all I believe seventy five Patreon episodes we've done so far, um, and many possibly more to come. I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's you get an extra episode a week, which is pretty cool. If you want to, if you want to hear us, if not, that's cool too. Um, only thing we would ask is if you don't want to pay for Patreon, just listen to the ads. That's you know that's, that's how we get paid. Um, spread the word, spread us like an STD of some sort. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't know if we want to be referred to as the venereal disease of podcasts, but whatever, whatever. works. I mean, if yeah. we get more listeners out of it, then shit happens. You know, penicillin ain't got shit on us. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you got it. So with that being said, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see to you. Goodbye. Bye bye. Oh.